Josh, we had an episode where we talked about the wisdom of grandparents, and we've had a chance to reflect on that, not only then, but now what I think about is some of the wisdom that was lost with their passing, something that they didn't necessarily share at the time, but they carried with them, but it kind of went with them when they went off this earth. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a worthwhile thing to kind of talk about. And we kind of want to put it in the context of what would they say now? As if like, you know, they could get a window back into this side of the veil and what would they think? What would they say? Yeah, so let's talk about that a little bit and riff on it. Um, I'm not really sure what we're going to call this episode, but we'll call it something snazzy. Something snazzy today on Curiosity (laughs) Continuum. Hey everybody, this is Brian. And this is Josh. Welcome to the podcast for Curiosity Continuum. Curiosity Continuum is an industry-innovating, non-traditional company passionate about growing wisdom in the next generation. We are the essential bridge between the analog and digital worlds by building collaborative communities that unleash the power of adaptive expertise and innovation needed to thrive in the 21st century. We combine and mix essential elements needed to empower people to succeed in new ways not possible outside of a creative, thoughtful, diverse community of fellow curious people. Follow us on your favorite podcast app to receive notifications of new content. If you like what you hear and want to dive deeper, visit curiositycontinuum.com. Thanks for tuning in. Let's start the conversation. All right, Brian. So you had this idea to talk about um, things today about our grandparents, like kind of their like living wisdom that's like still around, really. But like, what would they say if they could come back and like see us today? Like what? So in that context, what would you think? Like, are you thinking like, like they know the past or they're just like plucked from the past and brought to the future? You know what I mean? Let's take it. Yeah. Let's take it from uh, the end of their lives. So to give a little bit of context here, like my mom's, my mom's dad, which was the grandpa that I really knew the best, he passed away when he was 89 and he was an old Swede and his parents were actually first generation Swedes that came over from Sweden to Minnesota. And so, or Minnesota and that Wisconsin, that region. Yeah. What happened is he, um, you know, lived through the Great Depression. He never finished high school. Super smart guy. He was a, figured out how to be a carpenter, figured out how to be a millwright, set up machines. My mom actually just told me a story the other day that he lied about knowing how to be a millwright. That's how he got his first <laughs> millwright job. Hey. But he figured it out and he just got in there. And he was really, really, really smart that way. Never one to necessarily sit there and sit there and just, uh, you know, be enamored with textbooks. You know, he loved reading, I think, uh, like old cowboy Western novels from time to sure. time and stuff. But really, he just loved working with his hands and figuring things out. He lived through the Great Depression, and he had a sensibility about him, and he was a super, super hard worker. And that got passed through my mom, and she helped pass it to me. So my grand, both my grandfathers were kind of similar. I, th- I think a lot of that generation was similar. They didn't have as much schooling uh, traditional schooling. They probably, if they were lucky, they went through high school. If not, they 
they tapped out at, at some grade in between middle school and high school usually, like between mm-hmm. sixth grade and 12th grade. Some of them, most of them just tap out at a certain point. I think a lot of that was uh, World War II and the Depression where they needed to be at home and working. So they needed it for their families. And my grand, I'll just take my dad's dad first because he was, he was a entrepreneur. He had his own business. Uh, he did, he was a lumberjack. He, he did kind of like all sorts of things, but, um, you know, he learned to take care of the machinery and fix everything he could fix because, uh, he first of all, couldn't afford to get somebody out in the middle of nowhere to fix the stuff. And quite literally time down was money lost. So they had to learn to be self-sufficient that way and just always so they could work. Um, my mom's dad was just more of a town guy. You know, he was first generation American, um, born here. My grandparents are from Italy and he lived in town his whole life. So he was always, but he had a job for the power company where he did like, he did like walking the lines and he made sure that all the power lines were always, uh, in good condition. So he would walk lines and he did maps for the power company to work for like 30 years. They call it the power company. I don't know why, but they just did. Um, and that's, that's what he worked for. So, but he was also, he was like a, a, a very good carpenter and he did like, he, um, totally remodeled their home from the ground up. He did all wiring, plumbing, and all the carpentry in the whole home. It took like 10 years for him to do it all, but he did it all himself, just little projects at a time, you know? So I think, all these people have in common, and I think what we're going to talk about today is their resiliency of self-sufficiency, too, and how they learned. They just did it because no one was there holding their hand to do it, and no one, quite frankly, cared if they did it or not. So, But they did, too, so they had to survive. They didn't have a safety net to fall back no, on if you did, comfort yeah, if or you, convenience. Right. If, you just didn't, if, if it didn't happen, it just didn't. If they didn't do it, it just didn't get done. So that's kind of... Uh, I think what we're going to talk about a little bit, we're also going to talk about how they would view us today, right, Brian? That's that's the whole thing. Yeah. My grandpa passed away. Uh, he never owned a computer in his entire life, and he never had a cell phone of any kind. And really, like, he passed, he, he I guess, theoretically could have had one if he wanted one, but he had no interest in it. Sure. So the age of the smartphone would have been completely foreign to him. And I think for your grandpa, too, it would have yeah, been completely both foreign. Of, yeah. Like, here's this. Yeah. Here's this device that's you know. more powerful than anything you've ever had. Yeah. No. First yeah. of all, it wouldn't interest them and they at work- all, you know. <laughs> right. And they worked in they worked in the age prior to the computer. So what that generation had was a really interesting purview about how quickly like industry and business and things in the world changed by innovations of the time. It was not only like uh, innovations in automotive, but here's how we fly, here's how we, you know, like for military uh advancements and different things like that intelligence so many different kinds of constructs that came around while they were living and they kind of saw the birth of it and now society now it's interesting because when you have the the tech that was like the doubling of tech it used to be every 18 months it's about every like nine months now i think right josh yeah it might even be more than that It, it, it might be like now they're looking at when i was talking about and i was reading about it actually not that long ago they were talking about human knowledge the base of human knowledge doubling every like 24 months or something like that so it's like it's astounding it's impossible for one person to know everything and like how like most things are like online you know like you could tech 
theoretically look up like the base of human knowledge online on the internet, right? And like they said, if you took the weight of all the electrons on the internet, it's about the size of a, it's about the weight of a big strawberry. <laughs> oh, interesting. And you can fit all human knowledge like in that, you know? So it's kind That's of a delicious strawberry. Yeah, but it's kind of interesting, right? Like, what if like all this construct just like disappeared? Would we have yeah. the knowledge to like rebuild the society we're in? Probably not. But back in our grandparents' day, they probably could have. Like if there was a catastrophic yes. event, they may not have been like bombarded back to the Stone Age, you know? What's interesting is that like they would have understood how it came to be. Right. And they're like, well, we'll go back to the old way of doing things. Right. And obviously as human beings, we press. Human being like you don't necessarily see dolphins getting together for a conference to talk about <laughs> the issues of dolphinhood. It just yeah. doesn't work that way. Talk about the but nets we, off the West Coast or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but we as human beings do that. Mm-hmm. We find ways to press forward and do it. You know, and if I think about not only the knowledge doubling, but the speed at which tech is innovating, it makes me wonder like how many perceived decades have passed, even in like the last 20 years. Well, even just don't even go back that far. Just go back to 2007 when the cell phone was invented. If you talk to people today, like if our grandparents came to today, they would have thought this technology is 100 years old because of how much it's like different from what we had before. Yeah. And true. when you talk to people today, they literally do not remember times before cell phones. Like a lot of them don't remember time before cell phone. Like they don't consciously understand like, oh, yeah, they just think that this thing was around forever. Yet it hasn't been. And look at how far it's changed, like how much it's impacted society in a way, right? Where it's like a device that we can't even imagine not having anymore. It's something where it, it's you've become very dependent on the thing, which kind of gives you that convenience. And there's so what's interesting is like my grandpa, both you and my grandpas, were not like you know we, they went to college and they got the big degree. And they went off and did did their life that way. Right. There's probably a lot of things that they didn't know until they had to know it. And then they, they taught themselves and they figured it out. And I'll tell you this, the thing that emerges from that when you kind of talked about the living wisdom, our grandparents by their nature had to be wise. Because if they weren't wise, they didn't know, they wouldn't have a quality of life. So even if like you knew how to do something, if you knew how to swing a hammer well and build something, but you couldn't, you didn't know how to talk to people. You didn't manage that part of it, or you, you know, understood how to read people and do that business. And everybody does it at a different degree. You wouldn't have, you wouldn't have thrived. You wouldn't have lived. You wouldn't have had the, the path that you did. But it's not because that they had all this knowledge available to them at their fingertips. It was they were wise and they knew how to adapt what they knew into new things. It was something where they knew. I don't know this, but I'll figure it out. And it was like a pioneering spirit of, of honestly, curiosity and sometimes by necessity. I think, I think 99% was by necessity. So like they had to do it because other, like I said before, otherwise it just didn't get done. Right. Um, so yeah. Right. I mean, if I don't, if like, if I don't mow the lawn in my house, it just, I, nobody else does it. Right. But if, well, 
take that back. If I don't mow the lawn long enough, somebody else will come and do it, but then charge me a lot of money. So, <laughs> but like my grandparents, if like they had a broken down piece of equipment, if they didn't learn how to fix it, no one was going to come and fix it for them. And until they had to figure it out. Right. So, I mean, that's just kind of like, it's a little different today in the thing I could call a guy to come over and do something. So maybe I don't need to know how to do it, but that just option wasn't available back then. There were things too that weren't as technologically reliable. You know, like cars used to be 100% mechanical. There was no computer yes. in them at all. And honestly, like that's, we've talked about our, our friend John and his dad, uh, Fred, master mechanic. And he told me once that he loved cars. And the reason why he loved getting into it is because you could just get your hands in there, get them dirty and figure it out. And he kind of lost the love of it in a, in some ways because he said the computer tells you everything now. And this was back like in the 90s, late 90s, early 2000s, you know, when computers still weren't as integrated into everything like they are today. It was because something else was telling you what to do. It wasn't like you figuring it out and making it run. Like you had to have all these very specific electronic tools and things to make it work. But our grandparents said, like, here's the tools I have. How can I make it work with what I have? Right, right. It just it just had to be that way because it like like it just wouldn't work otherwise, right? And you're right. It's about the mechanical thing, like, too. Like, you could just fix a car. But, like, today, there's there's still mechanical aspects to a car. And I, I do a lot of my own work on a car when I can. But then there's some things that, like, you just can't do. Like, I can't plug into the computer. Like, even though you could buy this stuff, a lot of it's computer, you know? Well, Brian, so um, I had to leave for a second there because we had a squirrel in our lanai. And for people not knowing what a squirrel is, uh, you do know what a squirrel is, but not knowing what a lanai is, it's like a pork. <laughs> <laughs> and so he's uh, sitting there terrified on my screen, I guess. And uh, my wife was screaming, so I had to leave for a second. But I'm back, so let's just pick this up where we were, huh? And here we are once again through the power of podcasting. <laughs> yes. Back to where we were. It's actually, a, uh, when we return, we're saying, like, let's find our bearings where we are. You know, here's kind of the application layer with it. Sure. Um, I think the themes that, besides specific things, or hearing our grandpas maybe use colorful language to describe what is going on in the world today by their perspective... Self-sufficiency, and not, uh, I'll, I'll put it this way, self-sufficiency in the way of like you know how to do your life without major assistance in minor things. Right. You know? Right. That's maybe one thing that like they would talk about. Oh, you mean like you don't do this stuff for yourself anymore? Yeah. You know, like you don't change oil in your car anymore? Well, I do sometimes, but... Sometimes I don't, you know, I just bring it to a place, grandpa, you know? <laughs> yep. Well, I think about like when the car, I told Isaac as he's learning to drive and stuff, you know, he actually learned how to change a flat tire when we were on a trip, not ours, but it was actually uh, one of our cousins and the tire went completely flat. I said, oh, this is great. You're going to learn what it is to change a tire. And I'm actually glad it happened there kind of in a parked car situation. So it didn't like sure. blow out on the freeway. And that's the first experience with it. But because I said, like, here's what you need to do. I said, you need to be the kind of guy that when there's a flat tire or somebody else has one, you can go up to them and say, I know how to help. And you actually get the jack out, jack the tire up, change it, put it back on the road. I don't want you to be the guy that I know how to help. Let me call AAA and just call and make a phone call because yeah, they could have done I, that. Let me, 
I know how to help. Let's uh, grab YouTube here. How to change a tire. Tire. <laughs> <laughs> Which, hey, it's a great resource if you don't know how. Yes. But it should be a common thing. If you know how to drive a car, you should know how to change a tire. Because it's going to happen one time or another. You're going to get a flat tire. You know, okay, so that's, I think, our grandparents knew, our grandpas knew especially, that stuff was not going to go right. Right. They had, they had not no... Not all the time. Yeah. They had no promise, yeah. especially even in the Great Depression. Like, uh, both of our both of them were not like made like buku dollars or their families during the depression like they had to kind of figure it out as they right. went and so born out of that they're like when this may go wrong again this is how i'm ready this is how i can not have to uh, spend the money that i've worked so hard to earn this is a way that i can make something work this is how i can stretch my resources this is how i can barter with somebody if i do carpentry work and they do for example, like electrical work, here's how we can barter the things. There were things that they did that wasn't just a pure money transaction. They figured out ways to do it. And I think what they would be shocked about is to see the lack of ingenuity for a lot of the generation now to say, like, do you mean you don't know how to do this? Or you don't even know how to ask somebody to trade something that you're having to offer them? It just becomes like, well, I'll pay somebody. And because we have the networks and things that we do, it's very easy to fall into that. And look, I'll be t- totally honest. I do that also depending on what the topic is. Right. But I, what I try to do always is I stand next to the guy or gal doing the work and person. And I say, what are you doing? Can you explain it to me? And they actually love sharing because people who are good at something, they like to share knowledge oftentimes. Even if they're not a teacher, they'll talk about it. I'll say, could you show me how you did this? Because then I want to know, at least for the next time it happens, that I have a little bit more knowledge about what to do. Yeah, and I think that's a good that's a good skill to have, right? I mean, that's a good like thing that I think that like our grandparents did. I mean, you're right. They would, more often than not, I mean, they would pay for stuff and things like that. But if they could barter their time or even a skill that they had that somebody didn't have, they would do that. You know, like like my grandfather had a lumber mill. He might you know, chop down a tree for a guy as pay, you know, for payment for something, or, you know, he might have like, let's say that guy was a plumber and he needed plumbing done. You know, he would, he would be like, Oh, you're going to do this work over here. He did that a lot with family members. Like my dad's um, uncle was a master carpenter. And so he would like, my grandfather would give him lumber and he would do work for us. Right. Ah. So it was kind of like a lot of times it wasn't money being transacted. It was, it was time and skill which is something that we don't really do today as much, right? No, they had to ask proactively every day, how can we make this work? Versus, I guess it doesn't work, I'll just find another whatever, you know? Those relationships yeah. that they had, they couldn't, they didn't have the broad stretch and just know it, everybody, they knew their local community. You know, they had connected maybe to family and depending on what it was, but they had to build those relationships and they had to say, how can we make this work? Because you're gonna need me and I'm gonna need you. And... When we say self-sufficiency, we don't mean uh, not interconnected with people, because I think today people feel like they're self-sufficient because they can, I can get knowledge, but you've devalued people who have the knowledge. You basically said, well, if it's not you, it's somebody else, and what does it matter? And what's happened is that you've actually become less self-sufficient because you have not interconnected yourself with people. Right. So I think the takeaway here is... It's not about being self-sufficient where you don't need people. 
it's actually about being so sufficient that you need the people to fill in the gaps that you don't have because not one person knows everything, right? Yes. And you need the network. You need that those groups of people. And so I think if our grandparents were, you know, if they came up, like my grandpa would come up and say, oh, like I would just call my friend this guy to do that for me, you know, instead of like, or I would just do it myself. But if he couldn't, he would, he'd know the guy to call. We might not even know where to start. And that might be a big thing that I think a lot of people could work on. Yeah. I think that that collection of knowledge is a strawberry that has yet to be cultivated in today's world. Yeah, probably. So do you want to put a comma here or do you want to just have a, a closing thought or let's put a things that's kind of went all over the place in this one. It did. Um, and I think part of it is my mind was going to what my grandpa would actually say or do, but I really think sure. we uh, backed it up to conceptual and in a good way. Like what, what would grandpa bring today that's useful to the world now? And yeah, that's actually, I think a more pressing question of saying, what have we missed? Because we've paid attention to the strawberry, the, the electron strawberry of all human knowledge that's captured there. But you have to ask yourself, what else is growing in the strawberry patch that we haven't even yet tapped into? And that is another conversation for another day. Yeah, and that's something we'll do later. So, so I think let's put a comma then. Until next time, this is Brian. And this is Josh. The Curiosity Continuum.